Ever since I was a small boy, I've been obsessed with movies, books, and music. But as I grow older, I've begun to realize that these things increasingly miss the mark of fulfilling who we are meant to be. But they seem to have a common theme. They point us to a greater story, a greater adventure, a greater love, a greater joy. On this show, we dive into some of our favorite themes in songs, books, and movies so that we can begin the discussion of what our fascination with these stories actually reveal. A desire for something more. A desire for the unknown. A desire for love. A desire for God. Welcome to the adventure. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Christ in Culture. This is Clint. And this is Steve. And here we are for another week. We're excited to be back with you all again now that we have a up and running laptop that we can actually do this once more. Yeah, yeah. And uh we're you know, since we weren't able to release last Saturday, we released the last one in the middle of the week and then this one this weekend. Yeah. So, so. hopefully you guys are enjoying that and can keep up. Hopefully we can Yeah keep up to with all these episodes but before we kind of dig into the content don't get spoiled though we're still going we're going back to the once a week on saturdays <laughs> right yeah we can only do so much but yeah like i said going back to kind of this new session that we've been introducing the past couple of weeks is just what have steve and i been kind of following up with in the media and stuff so steve you want to go ahead and start us off yeah so no i so i've been starting to read a book that sarah matler gave me called A Severe Mercy, Oh yeah, uh, which I've heard a lot of really good things about. I've just started reading it. I've pretty much gotten through the prologue, but I've been sort of digging into that. I think we actually quoted that on one of our earlier podcast episodes too. Yeah, yeah. It's it's so far so good. So I've been doing that. That's pretty much been it. I've been pretty busy the past couple weeks. Yeah, lots Uh, been going on on in your life for sure. Yeah, so, but that's been that. Uh, What about you, Clint? Yeah, so I actually have just been trying to keep up with the show, The Flash. Uh, it's a great show. Yeah. I'm, I haven't watched the last season. Ooh, it's good. Yeah. So I've been trying to watch that. There have been some kind of interesting turns. I'm not going to give away any spoilers, but definitely worth checking out. Well, um, maybe I'll binge it, binge this last season. Yeah. And unless it's been two seasons, I mean, life kind of goes. But I was, my last season I saw was with... The, was with Zoom, I think. Oh, wow. So that might have been two seasons ago. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's been a while. You're about a season and a half behind. Season but. and a half behind. Yeah, it's... I've just... On all of those shows, I used to watch them all very sort of religiously, but then I got busy with life. Wow. Religiously, you're investing your identity into a uh, single show. Yes. Which, which is... If you want to learn more about that, go ahead and go to last week's podcast. But yeah, so I've been kind of watching The Flash. That's one of my favorite TV shows for the past couple of years is just kind of keeping up on that. I'm not huge into superheroes, to be honest, but mm-hmm. for whatever reason, I honestly don't know what it is, but I've enjoyed this show. It's a very good show, and it's part of the sort of CW's overarching DC television show right. series, which they do a very good job on. You know, I was a big fan of Arrow, which kind of got me into The Flash, but I really, in like Supergirl, which is pretty good. Um, and then DC Legends, Legends of, of Tomorrow. Tomorrow. But honestly, in my opinion, The Flash is probably like the... 
It, it's not the original, but it's kind of like the flagship. Like I think it's pretty much the it's most kind popular. of the central. They've done a really good job with it. Yeah, and it's it's my favorite. I've tried to watch the others. They have crossover episodes sometimes mm-hmm. where you have to watch the other shows to, to understand, understand it. it yeah. So I've had to do that. But you know, my favorite is is the, Flash, the Flash. Yeah, I, so it's a good show. I can't really explain why. Grant, but so I've been I've been watching that, and then the other thing that I've actually been doing is I just got this book from our friend Chris. Shout out to Chris. Denial. Um, yeah, Chris Donato. Chris Donato, yeah. Yeah, so he gave me this book called Toward the Gleam by T.M. Duran. Hmm. And it's it's not written by Tolkien or Lewis, but it's kind of written in a similar style. Is it like a yeah. modern, more modern book? It is, yeah. yeah. So it's written by, I believe he's actually an American author, hmm. uh, if I remember correctly. But man's brilliant. He has a really cool world. The story takes place in the early 1900s but he's writing as a modern author. So it's kind of cool. That's pretty um, cool. And uh, I haven't read too much of it. I'm only about four chapters in, but so far it's been really cool. And yeah, I'm always interested to see any Tolkien-esque authors. You know, he's this guy, Tam Duran, he's not one of the Inklings, you know, but I mean, any Inkling-esque story is always something that I'm interested in. Yeah, so. I, I, th- I think it's kind of funny. So, have you ever read the, like the? It's called like the Inheritance Cycle with like Aragon and Brisinger and those Dude, like dragon. Don't even start with me. That is actually one of my favorite series behind yeah, uh, the Tolkien series. I, I loved that series. Started reading it in like middle school. It was like one of the few books like I made my parents go out when it came out and like stand in the line and get the books. Dude, so I was I was in it was my senior year when the last book came out. Mm-hmm. I had it pre-ordered and read within like two days yeah i think i read it in like a day or two myself but what i think is super funny so you know that the author christopher paolini sort of pulled a little bit of a tolkien on the last book whereas like tolkien went back and sort of edited the hobbit to fit more in well he's he's uh writing currently a follow-up sequels to it and so he went back and changed a part of the last book to fit in with the new like trilogy or whatever's coming out did you hear about that? Close. So yeah. he's actually working on a sci-fi book right now, okay. which is in post-production now, I believe. And then after that, he's going to go into a new kind of series, which mm-hmm. it sounds like is actually going to be a prequel. Oh, okay. Uh, so we'll see where that goes. He hasn't really told us much about where the story is going to lead. I just I heard that he went back and changed part of the last one. I thought it was to fit in with his new work. He did, uh, but I think... What he did was he left it open for the potential to come back and okay. do a sequel. Okay. So maybe he'll come there too. But you know, Paulini, he's kind of a, a long... Takes, it takes him a while to crank yeah, out books. Yeah, yeah. He's not well, someone who puts five books a year out, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah. Neither is uh, George R. R. Martin. You know. <laughs> I mean, a lot of those those great fantasy novels, they take time, you know. Yeah. So. And I mean, especially you're... You're spinning and creating an entire world and lore and, and languages and language, mythology. Yeah, yeah, especially I mean, Christopher Paolini does a good job. I mean, he's created all those languages and things, and you know, clearly takes a lot of cues I think from Tolkien. His family actually, I believe, produces the books for him. Hmm. You know? So he doesn't have like a publisher. Okay, his family is the publishing company. So it's yeah. kind of and an interesting he, thing. And we first started, he was only like fifteen or something for the first yeah, fifteen book. or sixteen or something like that. Yeah. yeah, he was very young when he created that first book. And honestly, it took so long for that last one to come out. I had to like go back and reread them to like remember all oh, the yeah. things because there were so many things that were like flashbacks. You know, like from the one uh, like the cat 
sorcerer that like was able to tell the part of the mm-hmm. future and yeah you like start seeing how that was playing out in the fourth book but i had to like go back and be like what was that prophecy <laughs> right yeah um so no joke i don't think i've even told you this but so i have you can see him right here uh for steve sorry for those of you who are listening but i actually have two bookshelves here in my mm. in my apartment and one of them is reserved just for my favorite books, which includes the Tolkien, the C.S. Lewis, and then those Paulini books, too. So, oh, how about that? <laughs> I, I only have two of them. I used to have all of them, but moving around so much when I was younger, mm-hmm. somehow they got lost or sold or something. Yeah. Who well, knows? But If you ever want to dive back into, into the them, world, yeah. but right I, there. But I remember I saw somebody because they were really mad that they changed a part of it. And they were like, what, like, what good self-respecting author ever just changes the ending of their book? And someone's like... Tolkien. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I kind of talked about it a lot a little bit ago when I was giving that talk, you know. But Tolkien, he, he never felt like he was he was like really writing necessarily or, or authoring in a way, but he always claimed to be discovering something that was already existing, you know. Yeah. Which you know, as you discover new things, you're able to portray the story in a different light. So right. Which I think is great. But in completely opposite from all these geeky things, uh, so a couple of days ago, I actually got a gift from one of my teens. It was kind of funny. It was kind of a late Christmas gift, but it said something blessed and sports obsessed. Mm. It, was, it was kind of like a little plaque that I could put on my desk. And it was kind of cool. It was, it's always cool to get gifts from the teens, you know. Did they, and, me- did they mean it for David? Uh, so David got one too. And I, oh, okay. it was kind of cool. But, but yeah, not a, a huge sports fan, but you know, when it, MMA com- is a sport. When it comes to MMA and, and soccer, those are kind of my favorite sports personally. But They're pretty good sports. Yeah. But speaking of which, as you would know, one of the great national American holidays is coming up tomorrow. I am speaking, of course, of the Super Bowl. Yeah, no, being in Texas, this is basically all we've heard about for the past two yes, weeks. Yes, I have had many people ask me. Like, I've lived, um, when I lived in Pittsburgh, I mean, we would have Super Bowl parties. But, I mean, it's like, like people were treating it like, as it's like, do you have a place to go for the Super Bowl? As if, like, I was, didn't have a place to go for Christmas or Thanksgiving. They're like, Are, do you have plans for the Super Bowl? Like, not, you, you're totally welcome to come over. There's literally work schedules being shifted and, yep. and things being canceled. To yeah, things, things kind of shut down. And we don't even have a team in it that's in Texas, you know? It's no, like, but people imagine. love it. People love it. The hope is that Tom Brady doesn't win, which is hard for me because that means the Philadelphia has to win, and it's like a big moral dilemma for me. Right. Being from Pittsburgh, we have a sports rivalry with Philly, but... We have less of, I feel like we have less of a rivalry with the Eagles than we do with the Patriots. Sure. But yeah. especially because if Tom Brady wins, then he alone ties the number of Super Bowl wins with Pittsburgh, which currently has the most Super Bowl wins in history. Oh, that's ridiculous. Yeah. It's no one, I mean, he's already won five, which is unprecedented. And now he's might win the sixth, which to me just hurts me. That's <laughs> just too many fingers with rings on them. Yeah. But anyway, many would argue that this the next big Sunday since Easter. I personally would avoid such heresy. <laughs> but I do enjoy watching this this timeless American classic and tradition. And even if you're not a big football fan, I'm sure you enjoy watching the Super Bowl commercials, which is always like people try to step up their A-game. I don't think they've been as good the past few years. I mean, I've never, never been a huge person to watch the, the halftime show but they usually have like one or two i think that are decent 
but you know they used it used to be amazed like they'd always have everyone would just bring their a game and try to come up with the funniest ones yeah and you think but, for how much they they pay to be on there that which is why they like, step up so much right yeah, yeah. Um, we, we, but it does create classics like puppy monkey baby from oh. mountain dew kickstart which was a terribly oh frightening and just a weird commercial. I still bring that up sometimes. <laughs> and you got to love the internet because that Twitter, like they created a Twitter account for that really? immediately. Like Puppy Monkey Baby was on Twitter immediately like after that commercial. Oh, that's and funny. then it it basically got shut down because like it was like up and then shut down within like 20 minutes. It was amazing. Wow. Yeah, the internet's quick. But so going off the Super Bowl, there's also some other big sports stuff going on right now as far as the Winter Olympics. Right, you know, which is not something that is talked about in Texas nearly as much. Unfortunately. But we are from the north. And as northerners, we do have some respect for the winter sports, even though we're not huge fans of the it snow. Is, it is true. I'm not a big big snow fan. But I do love ice hockey. And so I'm looking for forward sure. to that. I still am heartbroken over, you know, being from Pittsburgh, Sidney Crosby. I'm still heartbroken about his game-winning goal against the United States for Canada mm. a few a few years ago. More than a few years ago now, but it was, yeah. it was, it was several several years ago. It was a while then. back. It was a while ago, but it still it still haunts me to this day. But I'm am slowly getting over it. Maybe if we you know win something this year, yeah, I'm sure we will. But anyway, so what is it about football or the Olympics that sort of draw our attention so much? That's it's kind of what we want to talk about this week. And I think it's important to try to understand why we love sport and competition so much. Something that has been around and captivated the minds of people since ancient times, right? I mean, obviously, you know, you could think about the Colosseum, right, which was a literal bloodbath. And but like what I think people don't necessarily always remember is that as popular as the Colosseum was, it was not nearly as large and popular as Circus Maximus, which was not a suit. I mean, there was some violence, but it was not nearly as violent. It was the chariot races. Yeah. People loved the chariot races and Circus Maximus. The stadiums held way more people than the Colosseum. Mm-hmm. Like it was a much bigger deal. But people have just always loved sport. They've always loved competition. The Olympics started in ancient times. Right. And it's just it's something that we've always been drawn to. And, and so for me, people love to compete uh, and more importantly, win. But why? Sure, it can sort of be chalked up to arrogance or pride, but I think there's a deeper root here. After all, this is what our podcast is about, that our deepest desires are really drawing us to God alone. Right? Mm-hmm. So what is it about this desire to compete and win? That, what is it saying about us and God, right? Like right. us for God. Let's keep in mind that not all sports are necessarily for victory and triumph, right? Some are are enjoyed for what they are. You know, a lot of people that I know are into bodybuilding. I was into it back in college. And it's not really a a conventional sport in that, like, it's not very focused on necessarily competition. Sure, there are bodybuilding competitions and physique competitions, but, but for the majority, people are sort of competing against themselves, right, to set new benchmarks, to yeah, be better than they were previously. It's kind of this competition with your mind, and I think that goes for a lot of sports, too. Yeah. It's kind of cool. It, and so, you know, I've met people who've said, you know, that they, they love the struggle of growing. I and mean, I would never say that people who are bodybuilders were not athletic or athletes in any way. <laughs> right, know? no, they definitely are. Uh, and, you know, a few weeks ago, one of my coworkers talking about golf and he said one of the reasons that he loves golf is you can never be perfect at it. Like, it's not a sport you can perfect. That every time you go out there, you learn something new and you become a better golfer. Yeah, and I think that is a common thought among, like, any champion within whatever sport. I think it's when we start to become complacent with our skill 
that we actually we begin to start to fall behind. And that's pretty similar to with our faith, too. When we become complacent with where we are in our faith and stop seeking to go deeper, we actually begin to go backwards. Right. And someone actually said that the other day in our young adult group. I don't remember who it was, but they, they essentially said there is no complacency. There's only going forward or going backward in our faith because when we are complacent, we begin to stop growing. And in doing so, we are opening up ourselves to slothfulness and we begin to fall mm-hmm. backwards. Yeah, and I, I'm reminded of... So I went to St. Vincent College, which is this Benedictine college, mm-hmm. and Boniface Wimmer, who is the founder of the school, had this quote, forward, forward, always forward. And there's this thing that we yeah. have to be forwardly progressing. And it's very much a Benedictine thing. Uh, conversatio is this this sort of root of, of Benedictines, one of their tenets of this constant lifelong conversion, like constantly growing in our faith, that you're never fully there, right? You always have to slowly get there right. and work. And I'm going to rip a little bit off of my friend Mark Vallone, who's a youth minister up in the Woodlands. Shout um, out. Yeah, shout out. <laughs> you know, he talks, he, he's really into, he's very, very healthy guy, and he, he runs sometimes, he does like marathons and things. So he kind of talks that as humans, compared to other creations, we're like other creation, we're not particularly fast or strong. We don't have like super sharp claws or razor sharp teeth, but we do have incredible endurance. Right, like we, we we have the mind, but we also have an incredible endurance. So we have this thing, we have this ability to sweat. It's a weird thing to consider. Yeah, and a lot of people are like, "Oh, like sweat's so disgusting," but it is an amazing thing, and that it allows us to run um, and have like this endurance that other creatures don't necessarily have. So we can run long distances for a longer period of time, right? And that's why we can run marathons, but you don't see dogs running marathons necessarily, right? And so in ancient times, we could never really outrun or outpace a buffalo or deer, but we could definitely outlast them, right? And so we would basically chase them, and we would run them to exhaustion in a hunt. And when they were too tired to run anymore, we would sort of give the final blow. And so they might have been faster, but through our endurance, we were able to sort of run them out. God gave us this ability to endure, and through our struggle, grow. And this is not just a physical thing, it's sort of part of who we are as a people, Spiritually, we are given the tools through grace to endure trials and tribulations, to strengthen our faith, and to come out stronger on the other side. I sort of think of uh, the story of Jacob, mm-hmm. who wrestled with the angel and became a great prophet. Right. right. That he, when people would refer to him, they'd be like, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob. Like Jacob was one of the patriarchs of the Abrahamic faith. But he definitely struggled, right? We are made to sort of wrestle with tough questions and allow God to answer them. We are made to endure trials because we are made for more. So 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. I have completed well. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. So St. Paul uses this imagery of sport to show the struggle of faith many times. And he shows that these struggles are meant to be endured through the grace of God. But let's be honest, most of us want to win, right? Like most of us that compete, we, we have a desire to win. Oh, yeah. I'm a very competitive person. Same. <laughs> um, shout out to somebody from our Galveston group who moved to Dallas but was known for her competitive edge was a girl named Grace. She would, she would sometimes bend the rules in her favor if, mm. if she could. But uh, So you always wanted to be on Grace's team. I, so Grace and I, like, we always competed, but eventually we just started being on each other's team because our competitive natures just were... Clashed a little yeah, bit. Yeah, clashed a little much. But, but why do we want to win, right? Because we're made to. 
right? So we are made to triumph, not necessarily in sport or our careers per se, but in our faith. We are created to run the race and reach the finish line of heaven. I mean, look at what we were created for before the original sin, right? We were created for that original justice we've talked about several times. We were created for that state. So we are created to win this race. And like the athlete, we have to sort of train for it. Not necessarily physically, but, but to train. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. Do you not know that the runners in the stadium all run in the race, but only one wins the prize? Run so as to win. Every athlete exercises discipline in every way. They do it to win a perishable crown, but we an imperishable one. Thus, I do not run aimlessly. I do not fight as if I were shadow boxing. No, I drive my body and train it for fear that after having preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. So we are to go, this is St. Paul, by the way, but we are to go wholeheartedly into spiritual battle using the weapons of prayer, fasting, and charity to overcome the obstacles and complete the race. Right? Like we are known as the church militant <laughs> yeah, for a reason, right? Like we are to participate in that, to this cosmic battle that's sort of raging around us, to take up our weapons of, of the faith, right? These prayer, the rosary, and, and to use it to fight. And we have to train in virtue so as to win the race. So we don't want to sort of run half-heartedly only to find that we were disqualified and lost. Yeah, and something I want to point out from that quote mm-hmm. that from 1 Corinthians yep. is the difference between training and working out. Mm-hmm. You know, both are good. Working out is great. But we notice that Paul here is talking about training. You know, something that kind of sticks out to me because, you know, I like martial arts and stuff is they talk about shadow boxing. You know, when Yeah, you, I thought of you when I read that. <laughs> when you're shadow boxing, you're kind of pretending that someone's there. Typically, when you're training... Yeah, you shadow box, but eventually you have to go beyond shadow boxing. You know, shadow boxing is great at first, but if you're going to train for a fight, you have to spar. You have to spar. You have to go beyond that. You know, and same thing for running aimlessly. You know, it's good to go for a jog every once in a while, but if you're training for a race, you you have this set time. You have this set goal. And I think that's the difference between training and working out. When we're training, we have this goal in sight, and we have these steps that we need to step it up. In order to get to that goal. And I think a big distinction is we can work out. But how often when we work out do we combine that with other things that are building up that? So, you know, we can work out. But if I go eat uh, a what-a-sized Whataburger after that, that's not helping me working out. You know, and actually Mm -hmm. it's probably making things worse because it's confusing my body. But when I'm training, I have a goal. And every aspect of my life is targeted towards accomplishing that goal. You know, so maybe I'm living a good life, but I don't go to mass. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not helping me get to my goal. Or maybe, you know, I I go to mass, but I, you know, I don't pray outside of mass. Well, that's not everything in my life targeted towards my goal. You know, so if, if we are to get to our goal that Paul is talking about here, which ultimately mm-hmm. is heaven, we have to target our entire body, our mind and our soul towards that, you know, in our prayer, in our actions, in our speech, mm-hmm. in, in everything that we do has to be targeted towards that. Right. And, and I love that you, the sort of distinction between mass or the sacraments in general and sort of prayer and fasting, right? So you can view it as as these sacraments, right? So Eucharist, receiving the Eucharist at mass, uh, reconciliation, you know, these are where it's sort of like 
our, our diet, so to speak. That's where we're receiving God to sustain the training yeah, exactly. that is prayer and fasting mm-hmm. and building these virtues and self-discipline in order to win. And we, we, we can do all those things, but separated from the sacraments, we're sort of doing it without the necessary fuel, right? But if we just have the fuel and we're not practicing that exercise, then we sort of become lethargic in our faith, yeah, and, right. and I think this is a perfect time to be thinking about that because with Lent coming up, right? Lent is that time that the church sets aside where it says, get your training going. Mm-hmm. Here's 40 days, set your goals, but it doesn't end at those 40 days. That's supposed to be our kickstart yeah. where we're supposed to start our training and then it's right. supposed to affect our life from there on out. Right, it's like Whole30, but spiritually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, it's a perfect parallel, I think, because if you just ate and you didn't train, then you would be sort of become that lethargic. But if you just trained without eating, you would become anemic, right? And that's sort of how the faith works, right? Just the sacraments without any external prayer, we sort of become complacent in our faith. We become lethargic. And when we just have the prayer without any of the sacraments, then we sort of become, like our faith is anemic. It's not as strong. It doesn't have the grace to back it up in, in times of trial. And so that explains, I think, why we love sports, and to compete and to win. But it sort of leaves like, why do we love watching other people play them and other yeah. people win things? Why do we do it with so much fervor? I mean, some of us could say, I mean, some could say that football fans have sort of formed a religion around the sport and they sort of worship their team. Yeah. I think part of it is our need for community. It's teammates, to, so to speak, uh, to help us in our faith journey, right? Communities as teammates for our faith journey. You know, we can't learn to authentically love without the other, right? Like, we need the other to learn to authentically love. And such, we love to see others triumph, right? It's part of who we are. That's why we're captivated by the underdogs. We love to participate in, you know, our brothers and sisters triumphing, right? Mm Because, like, we're made to triumph, but we also want those that we love to triumph. And, you know, some part of it is definitely us projecting ourselves onto the other or a group for a team sport like football, which we sort of briefly touched on last episode, if you want to check that out. But there is a danger in that, in the fervor in which we love our sports teams. You know, I find it strange that people are willing to sort of fight for their team being the best or a particular p- player being the GOAT. And if you don't know what that is, you, I guess, live in a barn. Get it? GOAT in a barn? Yeah, but GOAT is greatest of all time <laughs> if you've never been on Twitter. Yet they would never defend their faith. So these people would defend their team. They would defend any player but as soon as it comes time to defend their faith they're like oh hold on i don't know about that yeah and actually that actually reminds me of we just got new shirts for our youth ministry program at the parish that i work at saint mary's in league city and the quote that we put on it i'm actually wearing the shirt right now which <laughs> yeah which is, why, is funny which is why i think about it but so the quote is from romans chapter one and you can probably see it better than I can, but it says, for I am unashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that kind of speaks a lot to being able to defend our faith and being able to stand up for that. Uh, we're not ashamed of the gospel. We're encouraging our teens to wear this in public and to get their parents and, and the volunteers to wear it in public too, to show that their faith is something that's important to them and that they're not ashamed of that. Right. And if it's important to you, we we, we invest in the things that we are most important in our lives. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when I go to a sports game or a sports bar, I mean, you can really see how invested people are. 
Yeah, everyone wears their favorite jerseys and they're cheering. They're cheering. Uh, they participate and they cheer. I mean, they are visibly invested. And all of the physical reflects what's going on internally. And mm-hmm. what's going on internally is reflected in the physical. So, you know, we are made to worship. And we are all worshiping something. Even the most staunch militant atheist worships something. Right? We put our faith somewhere. Whether it be money or power or science or a sport. That which we give ourselves to and put all of our faith in is what we worship. I mean, we have to have faith that money will be there and have value. Ask Bitcoin, which for the first time actually depreciated in value by like thousands of dollars. Or in 1930s Germany, when the German mark was, it was like so worthless that it was more cost effective to burn the money because firewood, the amount of money you'd have to pay for firewood, like you could just burn that money and it would last longer than the firewood. You know, we have to have faith that power will last and work in our favor. For instance, Marie Antoinette. You could say the power went to her head. Sorry, enough bad puns. Uh, Or science, which requires that faith that the scientific method even works because it can't be proved with the scientific method. Uh, You have to have faith in these things uh, or a sport that our team will triumph against all odds. And we worship by giving it all of our effort and attention. And trust me, I've been to enough sports games to see the overabundance of effort in the cheers. Honestly, I cheer too. I'm not knocking enjoying a sport or getting too involved. When I go to uh, soccer matches, I sing the songs. When I go to football games and... Glory, glory, Man United. Yeah, glory, glory, Man United. I mean, I I do. I participate. I watch like a crazy play happen for any sport on TV. Like I'm, you know, I get really, really into it. And I'm not really knocking getting involved. It can be fun and we were made to enjoy things, right? Like Like Jesus tells us he wants to give us life and life abundantly. So we are to have fun you know we are to enjoy our things but i do have a serious challenge are you participating as much in mass and prayer as you are watching the sports game do you place god above all else in your heart or are you just going through the motions mm-hmm. i mean we should praise god with the fervor we give our football teams obviously we can't cheer in mass at the consecration you know that's a time for <laughs> quiet reverence but there is a time and place for everything There's a reason song is a part of the liturgy. There's a reason we sing the Sanctus in Mass, the Holy, Holy, Holy. And we proclaim, as it's revealed in Revelation, that this song is sung without ceasing in heaven. That song, that this outpouring of life and of, of song in our physical way toward God is perpetually happening. That it is a part of who we are and how we live as Christians. This is a big reason that I love praise and worship, which not every, it's not everyone's cup of tea. I get that. But for me, it's sort of this median in order to worship in a vocal and physical manner, right? Because we're going to worship in a vocal and physical manner somehow. And we are both spiritual and physical beings. So mm-hmm. it's very important that when we worship, our, our body and our spirit both reflect that worship. Right. And I think it would be foolish to say that we're not made to worship in that way. I mean, it's I mean, it's everywhere through scripture, in particular the Psalms. It's obvious in the way we react to sports or entertainment, like yeah. concerts. You know, when we sit there and we're just jamming out and singing to the steering wheel in the car. Oh, every day. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> when we're listening to a musical. Right. We clearly are drawn to this. And every desire is ultimately for God. And so it gives me the ability to express myself in that way, to use that thing that I'm already made to do in a way that's oriented toward giving glory to God. And so we were made to worship, but where is that worship going? 
So my challenge this week is sort of twofold. First, I want you, and you know, when we do these challenges, we're definitely challenging ourselves as well, to truly analyze where our worship is going and set down the path of giving God the foremost priority and center in our lives. And the second is to train for the marathon run of our faith, to create a prayer schedule, add a daily rosary, uh, which is super invaluable lesson. I mean, if you say a rosary every day faithfully, it will change your life. It'll change your life. It is said if you, if you say the rosary prayerfully, like actually like Mm -hmm. a good way, not just going through the motions, but like prayerfully reflect on it, you will either stop committing mortal in a year. You either stop committing mortal sin or you will stop saying the rosary daily. That is a promise. Wow. And that's like, I forget, I think it's like Louis de Montfort, maybe. I don't know. That sounds like something he would say. Yeah. I don't know. Um, He makes a lot of cool claims like that. Yeah. Uh, The other crazy thing, the rosary, and it's promised um, through one of the apparitions, that if we say it prayerfully every day, that we'll never perish without having received the sacrament of reconciliation. So like if you say, like if you've dedicated that, so like an invaluable tool or at least spend 20 minutes a day in silent prayer before the Eucharist. And that doesn't need to be adoration. He's equally present in every lit tabernacle around the world that he's there. Just take the time to sort of, you know, these are just guidelines. You don't have to do any of these particular things, but, but they're my encouragements. Take the time to dedicate your time daily to your faith. Even if that prayer is simple. Asking for an increase of faith. That is a good prayer. Like to ask for an increase in faith is a good prayer. If you're not sure how to pray, one of the best prayers that the disciples ever did was Jesus teach us to pray. And he gave them the Our Father, right? Like he was like, they were like, how do we pray? And he was like, let me tell you how to pray. Like he wasn't like, how dare you not know how to pray? He was like, all right, cool. Here, here's how you pray. This is what I want from you. Yeah, it, it actually says in, in Scripture, I can't quote it off the top of my head, but mm-hmm. somewhere it says something along the lines of, we know how to pray through the Spirit and only through the Spirit. So yeah. on our own, no one knows how to pray perfectly, you know, or really at all. It's through the Holy Spirit that we are gifted with that ability to talk to God and, and to to have that relationship with Him. Right. And it's even in Romans, it says that, you know, this, the Holy Spirit within us that we receive in baptism is interceding for us. Mm-hmm. Because we do not know how to pray right. as we ought. It's um, interceding in inexpressible groanings. It's it's outpour of love for our benefit. I guess really my my challenge is to really commit to sort of being a Christian, to living the Christian way of life, which is a hard challenge, but a very fruitful one, especially with Lent so close. Cool. So we'll go ahead and, and do some shout outs here. Do you have any closing shout outs? Uh, well, we already kind of shouted out David. Yeah, we gave quite a few. Um, this we one. gave a, we gave quite a few. I think major this time is David for really letting us use this laptop. Yeah, huge saving us. Huge, there. Yeah, huge saving of us. Want to give a shout out to Danny from the young adult group. Yeah. Uh, just you know for facilitating your talk. Yeah, I actually want to give a shout out to the whole group. Uh, yeah, yeah, the whole group for bringing me down. That was a lot of fun. And if anyone, I mean, wants us to talk for stuff, Steve and I always like talking at, at stuff. So just yes. You can ask any available. of my friends. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, Steve likes to talk to anything, or anyone or anything. It doesn't have to be living sometimes. Hey, hey, you know what? It's kind of like a St. Francis thing. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Not that I'm even remotely that holy. But yeah. uh, one day, maybe. Well, so, By the grace of God. Yeah, if you guys like what we what you hear here, 
go ahead and reach out to us and maybe we can see if we can make something happen for you too. Yeah, so. and, and we love it. Thanks. I don't know if any of them listen, but shout out to the, the Knights of Columbus down there yeah. in Galveston for giving us a room for the young adult group. That was cool. And they you know fed us dinner. They have a swimming pool. Yeah, and they just... we didn't use, but yeah. it's still pretty cool. Yeah, and so they... You know, they're they're allowing us, we got, you know, we painted the room, so they've kind of just given us this room to use, which awesome. I think is just uh, a beautiful thing in charity. But yeah, I don't I don't know if anything else, do you have any shout outs? Yeah, so I mean, one of mine was the, the Galveston Young Adult Group there, but this is kind of a random one. So it's actually Catholic Schools Week this mm. past week, and so I want to give a shout out to everyone from my former high school, Beckman Catholic, up in Iowa, and also... We have wrestling postseason starting pretty mm. soon. Actually, this weekend, I think, back in Iowa. So give a shout-out to all of the wrestlers at my high school. I'll yeah. be cheering for you guys. And probably, I mean, as we're talking about sports here, I guess this is perfect, but I'll be cheering for you guys and probably streaming some of the matches <laughs> while I'm at work this week. So uh, I'll be cheering for you guys. Yeah. And uh, Oh, and, and one last shout-out to everyone who participated in the March for Life. Oh, yeah. Because we, sure. we haven't recorded really a podcast since then. Well, the one we recorded earlier this week. But just a shout out to everyone who participated in that, even if it was just you being at home and participating in prayer. You know, just what you do for those without a voice is invaluable. You know, we just, you know, we need to sort of work together as a, as a Christian community in that. So. Absolutely. So we want to thank you guys again for joining us on the, the adventure. And we'll see you soon. <laughs>